0: This morning's Scripture reading will be from John fourteen one through 9 and I will be reading from the New King James Version. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also where I go you know, and the way you know. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going, and how can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, and would have known my Father also, and from now on you know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is sufficient for us. Jesus said to him, I have... been with you so long and not and yet you have not known me Philip he who has seen me has seen the father so now can you say show us the father
1: Philip had seen God, hadn't he? He had seen God. Maybe he didn't realize exactly what he was seeing or at least fully understood exactly what God needed him to understand at that time. But he was well on his way. Jesus did point out to him, however, that he was seeing the Father through him. He saw the Father through the Son. And I believe Jesus meant a couple of things there. Jesus, being the Son of God, was God Himself. But He was also seeing God through the actions that Jesus portrayed. Now Luke was a missionary partner of Paul. He was a beloved friend, a fellow laborer in the Lord's Vineyard, and because of Luke, we have a great portion of the New Testament. Luke wrote one of the biographical accounts of our Lord. He wrote the history of the early church. We know that as the book of Acts or the Acts of the Apostles. We know that Paul mentioned Luke in his letter to the Colossian brethren, referring to him as Luke the beloved physician, Colossians 4.14. And as we study the portion of Luke's life that we have been blessed to have recorded for us we can pinpoint exactly when Luke became a member of Paul's entourage. When he joined that missionary team and went throughout the world, or that part of the world, with Paul. We know that he was part of Paul's second mission trip. The second time that Paul went out into the known world. Now I want us to remember, Luke wrote the book of Acts. Now let's listen to what he said. He said, and after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia. Of course, Luke here is talking about Paul. Assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. We endeavored to go into Macedonia. The Lord called us to preach the gospel. So we can pinpoint exactly when Luke became a part of this group instead of simply recording the history of the group. Now, one might ask, why is that so unusual? Or or, why is that so special that we might be able to understand when Luke became a part of Paul's group? Well, I believe it is remarkable because Luke was a physician. Luke was a doctor, and Luke could provide for himself a comfortable living. He was was he had the abilities to do more than just labor for that day's food, which is what most of the people in that world at that time had to do. They had to labor for today's food. Luke didn't have to do that. Luke was an educated man. He could do the things that most people were not allowed to do. But it was at this point in history that Luke gave up being a physician for the body to be a physician for the soul. He began to care for the spirits of people instead of their physical bodies. I think perhaps one of the greatest things left for us, as far as Luke is concerned, is exactly how Luke saw God. Philip was asking the Lord to show us the Father. Well, Luke saw the Father, Luke saw Jesus, but exactly how was it that Luke saw God? I think that's a very important question for us, and I think it's one that we can learn from this morning. All of the apostles saw Jesus and learned from Him. There were many disciples who listened to His preaching. Even the Roman, or even the Jewish leaders, the Roman leaders for that matter, and... Many of the people during his time heard him preach. But Luke was not so fortunate as to have had that happen to him. Luke did not walk through Palestine with Christ. He did not listen personally to his parables. Luke did not witness firsthand any of the miracles that Christ performed. But he still saw God. He still saw Jesus. He still saw the Father. And he saw it the same way that Jesus described it to Philip. You have seen the Father because you've seen me. Now, of course, Jesus was God in the flesh, but again, Philip saw God because of the things that Jesus emulated in his life. They were godly things. Luke came to the knowledge of Jesus in exactly the same way that all of us in this room today have come to the knowledge of Jesus He learned it from someone else. How can we see God? Well, we can see God just exactly like Luke saw God. He saw God through, and this is our first point, individuals. He saw God through individuals. And he learned through others. He apparently lived in Asia Minor, Greek in origin, It appears as if he had never been to Judea or Galilee until he went with Paul the Apostle. As we noted, he didn't walk in the Lord's footsteps, he simply walked by faith, didn't he? 2 Corinthians 5 verse 7. Now from who he learned about Christ, we do not know. Perhaps he learned from Paul. He might have learned from Silas or Timothy. He may have been able to have read a letter that Paul had written. Maybe he heard Paul preaching in the marketplace because that was his style, wasn't it? Together into the marketplace. But we do know that he learned about Jesus. He heard the gospel from some other person because that's God's plan. We learn from others. We don't learn from God Himself. Personally, He doesn't speak directly to us to teach us the gospel. He doesn't come as a faint whisper in the night to tell us to be obedient to His words. He has laid out for us, in writing, exactly what He wants us to do. Luke was like us. We are far removed from the events that happened in the life of Christ some 2,000 years. We learned about Jesus through the work, the sharing, and the teaching of others. That's how Luke learned. He learned from individuals. I was introduced to Jesus through the efforts of a friend of my family. Just as many of you were. A friend of the family, perhaps a co-worker. Maybe someone in your own family. Now we're told about the life of Luke in some small way. I think we can learn a lot about Luke. I think we can learn that God always used men. Do you remember when Philip went down from Samaria? He was headed toward Gaza and the Spirit caught him away. And then the, the holy, uh, an angel told him to join himself to the chariot of the Ethiopian eunuch. Why could either the angel or the Spirit not have taught the Ethiopian eunuch the message? Well, because that's not God's plan. Because Christianity is a learned religion... It's learned through individuals. Once we learn about it, like Luke did, we need to take his example to heart, don't we? What do we need to do once we learn about the gospel of Christ? Once we learn exactly what Christ did for us, and what He needs us to do for Him, and we'll talk about that in just a few moments, we need to be able to lead others to Christ. We need to become one of those individuals from whom someone learns about Christ, because... That's who has to do it. God's not going to do it personally. The Spirit's not going to speak to us personally. We have to do that. Someone led Luke to the faith, and because of that, he became a missionary, and because of that, he wrote about half of the New Testament. He has more writing page-wise than even the Apostle Paul does. All of that happened because someone led him to Christ. We're here today because someone led us to Christ. And because of that, it changed his life. And we have the benefit of being able to do that for others as well. Now, I want us to never underestimate the impact of our influence. We influence people whether we realize it or not. Whether they're young or whether they're older. We influence people as a parent, a spouse, or a friend, or or whatever the case may be, we have influence upon people. They see us, and we need to share with them God's salvation. John remembered that it was Andrew who led Peter to Christ. We remember that, don't we? John 1, 41 through 42, He first findeth his own brother Simon. Can you imagine the difference in the world if he had not gone and gotten his brother? Well, would God's plan have unfolded? Of course it would have. The apostles, the twelve, whoever they may have been at that time, maybe perhaps minus Peter, would have still preached that sermon that was preached on the day of Pentecost. I believe there would have still been 3,000 people or thereabouts saved on that day, added to the Lord's church through obedience of the gospel. But can you imagine the difference in the world? Just the flavor of the things we learn about that time period the encouragement that we gained from Peter, someone who had denied the Lord three times yet came back? Can you imagine the difference it would have made if Andrew had not brought his brother to Christ? I wrote an article years ago with Paul's letter to Philemon as the backdrop. As we look at the, the letter to Philemon, of course, Philemon was the owner of a slave by the name of Onesimus. Onesimus had run away from Philemon, and Paul had come into contact with Onesimus Uh, again through an individual effort. He had taught Onesimus the gospel, and then do you remember what he told Onesimus to do? He said, you go back to Philemon, because that's the right thing to do. Was Paul supporting slavery? Absolutely not. He was not supporting slavery. But he taught, just as he taught in Second Corinthians, he taught in every church where he, where he taught anything. You can be a Christian under any circumstance, right? And the laws at that time allowed for that to be the case. And that did not interfere with one's being able to be a Christian. As far as if you were a slave. I think it would certainly have interfered with someone if they owned slaves. But Onesimus was a slave. Onesimus was told to go back to Philemon. Now I want us to notice as we look at that scenario, Paul didn't say, change the world, and then you change individuals. Paul didn't say, change the circumstances. And then you change individuals. Do you remember what Paul was teaching in that letter? He said, you change the individual and the circumstances will change for the better. So what was he trying to do? He wrote a letter to Philemon. He said, Philemon, I'm sending Onesimus back to you. How was he told to receive that brother? Just like a brother. Not as a slave. He said, now remember what I've done for you. Receive him as a brother. See, Paul was changing the character of people. We have to lead people to Christ. And we do that. When we do that, we can help change their character. And when they change, the circumstances will change. Who knows? Maybe one day we can encourage someone to be the next elder, the next deacon, the next preacher, the next great missionary. But let's lead someone to Christ and see what happens, right? Maybe they don't want to come to Christ. Well, that's their business. They can make that choice. We'll move on to the next person. Listen to his words again. Luke 1 verse 3. It seemed good to me also, having had perfect understanding of all things from the very first. This is Luke writing. To write unto thee in order, most excellent Theophilus. See, Luke had a great influence. And so he's writing this letter to Theophilus, the book of Luke the autobiography, or the biography of Christ. He wrote the Acts to Theophilus, this same man. He said, I'm writing to you to set in order all these things that I know perfectly. Well, that that brought up a great question in my mind. He had a perfect understanding of all these things he was writing about. Well, he wasn't there. He wasn't there when Christ walked the earth in Palestine. He wasn't with him. He didn't watch Christ ascend back to heaven, as is recorded in the letter he wrote to Theophilus, Acts chapter 1, verse 8. He wasn't there. He didn't eyewitness that. Well, obviously, he's an inspired writer. So he didn't have to eyewitness it. But I want us to notice how he also learned and how he saw God. He did it not just through individuals, but he did it through investigation. That's our second point. And because of his investigation... He was confident in the spiritual things that he learned. Do you believe that all that time that he spent in Palestine with Paul after the fact that he never asked anyone about any of the events about which he wrote? The thing about an inspired writer is God uses that writer, He uses His experiences, He uses His vocabulary, He uses His education. We see the differences in the writings from one writer to the other. Paul's writings uh, have the, the, the signs and the, the characteristics of a highly educated man. We look at the writings of some of the other uh, writers of the New Testament or the Old Testament, and they're absolutely inspired, but then they may have a sense of they know a whole lot about the agriculture of the day, right? Doesn't mean they're not intelligent, just means they didn't have a formal education like Paul did. And so when Luke was writing this inspired message, God used the knowledge that he had come to know through investigation. He used the knowledge that he had come to know through individuals. And so Paul investigated. That built up his confidence. Now he didn't just take the word of Paul or anyone else for the things that he learned, did he? We know he couldn't have, because that's not what, God wants to happen. There are people who claim to be members of the Lord's church and they've done it simply because that's just what mom and dad did. Is that any better than being a member of a denomination? That's no different, is it? If you if you follow along in someone's footsteps just simply because that's the way they went and you don't really understand and you don't really believe, you're just kind of going along and because that's what everybody else in the family did, is that what God wants? He doesn't want that any more than He wants us to be members of denominations. The Lord does not expect us to be superstitious or to be loyal to something that we've just simply been a part of for so many years. He wants us to investigate. He wants us to have that confidence that I know, I know I can be saved. That's what He wants. Paul told the Ephesians, he explained to them that without doubt, they can come to the understanding of their salvation. Without a doubt, they can come to to know the simplicity of the gospel. Ephesians 3, beginning with verse 3, Paul said, How that by revelation He made known unto me the mystery. Who? God made known unto Him the mystery. As I wrote afore in few words, whereby when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. Notice what he said how that by revelation He made known unto me the mystery. Well, now it's no longer a mystery. He made known the mystery. And He said, not only have I been shown the mystery, I'm going to write a letter to you, and in that letter you can also know this former mystery. Investigation. He wrote the letter. They were to investigate it. An honest look at the facts can always strengthen our faith, can't it? I believe that it is okay to ask. And I would encourage people to ask this question. How do we know for sure we're right? We better be asking that question. Don't be a part of anything unless you say, How do I know for sure this is correct? The Scripture teaches us that there's one God. The Scripture teaches us that He died on the cross. The Scripture teaches us that He was resurrected three days later, that the church was established on the day of Pentecost. We read all of that in the book of Acts, and we can see that Christianity replaced the Jewish religion. We see that. We'll agree on that, won't we? All that's found in the Bible. So why do so many people insist if things like that are found in the Bible... Why would God leave out something so as so important as His plan of salvation that somehow we can't understand that the same? Does that make sense? Did He tell us everything that was important except how to become a Christian? I don't believe so. It just doesn't make sense. Let's read about God's plan from the Bible. Faith is required. Hebrews eleven six. Without faith, it is impossible to please Him. We have to have a faith that we believe that God is who He said He was. Jesus is who He said He was. The Father sent Him. He sent the Holy Spirit after His ascension back to heaven. We have to have that faith. Repentance is required. Paul said, as recorded by Luke, Acts 17, verse 30, And to the times of this ignorance God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. We'll agree on that faith, repentance, confession, that He is the Son of God. Paul said again, Romans 10, beginning with verse 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised Him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession unto salvation. Well, confession brings us unto baptism. That's why Peter said, recorded in 1 Peter 3, beginning with verse 20, he said, which sometime were disobedient, talking about those who lived during the time of Noah, when once the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah while the ark was preparing, wherein few, that is, eight souls, were saved by water. The like figure, or the same example, wherein to even baptism doth also now save us, not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's simple. We read that. God put it there for a reason, didn't He? He told us when the church was established. He told us there's one God. He told us there's one body. There's one baptism. He tells us everything we need to know. Faithful living, right? That's what Jesus told those that lived during the time of the Revelation. Revelation 2 verse 10. Be thou faithful unto death, and I'll give you a crown of righteousness. That's what He's told us. We can know that for a surety. But what do we need to do once we gain confidence in that? We can read that. We can have confidence that we know what to do, that we can know that we're saved. That Paul, like Paul said, you can understand the mystery just as I do. But what are we, can we? do we just stop once we gain confidence in our own salvation? No! We have to continue to investigate. The investigation never stops. We keep going. The Bible is not some old story, some myth that doesn't apply or can make no application to today. Right now, archaeologists are confirming what's written on the pages of the Bible. Scientific fact proves that there is a God. Scientific fact proves there was a first great cause. Today we can compare four accounts Of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we can determine that they're telling the same story. How can we see God? Through investigation. He's there. If we'll look at Him. The gospel produced faith in Luke. And then just see what it did in his life. It can happen in ours too. Luke saw Jesus through individuals. He saw Jesus, through investigation, he sees God, or he saw God that way. And we can too. But finally, I want us to notice, and this is our third point, Luke saw God through initiative. He took initiative, didn't he? Now that is one of what I believe one of the most important things that we notice in the life of Luke. Luke served. He served because he was a worker, In the church. Does God expect us to do that? We better know He expects that. Once He met Paul and those with Him, His life changed forever, didn't it? The lives of those with whom He came into contact changed forever. He left all behind and He became a missionary for God. He left the comforts of home much like Abraham did. Went into a land that he didn't even know where he was going, but God asked him to go and he went. Luke was given an opportunity to serve God through a missionary effort, and he did it. He didn't serve the physical needs of man anymore. Instead, he sought out those who were sick with sin, and he served them through their spiritual needs. But he's not the only one. When Jesus saw Peter and Andrew, they straightway left their nets and followed him, Matthew 4.20. When Luke gave himself to greater service, he better saw God. What a vital lesson for us today. I think many people fail to see God because they don't give themselves to greater service. Some may know a little bit about Jesus. They may know what He wants us to do. They may know that He wants us to come together on the first day of the week, and some of them, for the most part, do that. But most of the world doesn't know God. Most of the world has not given itself to greater service to God. Most of the world doesn't think about God. We talked about that in our class this morning. Very few people are going to be saved in comparison to the rest of the world. That's not what God wants, but that's just simply the way it is. But when we give ourselves to greater service, we can see God better. It is not possible to have the proper relationship with our Savior unless we give ourselves to greater service. Now, what are we talking about when we talk about greater service? We're talking about a whole myriad of things, aren't we? We're talking about evangelistic efforts. We're talking about benevolent efforts. We're talking about efforts of edification and exhortation. I am so proud of our young people. Yesterday, they did some yard work. You know, it's not all about laser tag and baseball games, is it? They spent a lot of time yesterday in service. But guess who the service was for? The service was for God, primarily. And then those who received it in this life. I thank those who allowed us to do that yesterday for the opportunity to do that. Because it allows us to give ourselves to greater service. And that's what God wants. When we serve, we may be surprised in the direction it takes us. Paul admonished this, 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. That's not just a suggestion. Luke's history teaches us that not only are we to serve, but we are to strive to serve. That shows initiative, doesn't it? His faith didn't leave him in Troas. I want us to always keep in mind that when the Lord came into someone's life in some way, He never left them the same way as when He met them. Now, some may have gone away discouraged because they did not hear what they wanted to hear, but they were not in the the same state as they were when He met them. He expects change. To some, it's stop being fishermen and become fishers of men. To others, it was simply sin no more. But he expects change. Luke didn't stay in Troas. He decided to go with Paul and he fulfilled the Great Commission. We can do that in our own neighborhoods. Jesus has called us all through the Gospel and he expects change. He expects us to impact the kingdom and he expects us to grow and develop no, long, no matter how long we've been Christians. That's what he expects. Like Luke, we need to discover the power of service. Teaching a Bible class, preaching a sermon, doing a devotional, or cleaning the bathroom. We need to give ourselves to greater service. I believe Luke saw Jesus perhaps more clearly than some of those who walked in His footsteps. Maybe he saw Jesus more clearly than some of those who could listen personally to His parables or hear Him pray or watch Him perform those miracles. I think that's true because he saw Jesus through individuals. He saw Jesus through initiative, didn't he? He saw Jesus. He wanted to see him. How do we have faith? Well, you got to want to have it. How can we see Jesus? We have to first want to see Him, right? How can I see God? I've got to want to see God. And then I can. That's how we're going to change the world in which we live. And that's how we see Jesus. Christ said, Come unto me, all ye that labor, and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. We've talked about how you do that. Luke accepted that won't you, as we stand and as we sing.